Hello, welcome to the No Contempt Podcast. This is probably, what, the sixth one I've done, I believe? Um, well, hold on a second. Nope, the seventh. This is the seventh one. So that's like the, the number of completion in the Hebrew, or perfection, or yes, one of those things. I'm not that familiar with Hebrew numerology, but I know that seven is significant in some way, shape, or form, and it is found a lot over the Bible. So I wonder if this is a special, you know, special one because it's the seventh one. I don't know, but we will find out, will we not? Um, you know, I just want to say right off the bat that Jesus wants a Jim and Pam relationship with you, not a Ryan and Kelly relationship. And if you're familiar with what I'm talking about, um, you know, Jesus wants a rich and meaningful and authentic relationship with you, not a fake off and on kind of one-sided relationship. And uh, I just want to encourage you today that let Jesus be your Pam or your Jim, depending on how you see that. And uh, you'll have a awesome life because a rich life starts with having a rich relationship with Jesus. Anyway, I want to get into something today that I've kind of touched on a little bit in uh, some previous podcasts. Um, I talked about the value of purity um, recently, and I had a part one and two of that, and they were kind of spread out a little bit because I had some podcasts in between that I wanted to put out on certain days. I had a special May the 4th Be With You Star Wars one that I did, and then I had a one that I did on Mother's Day that I actually did with my mom. Um, so, But I wanted to talk about this as well. And uh, I believe this is going to be a pretty significant um, subject that we're talking about. So I want to start with this verse in 2 Peter. And where it says in verse 3 of chapter 1, that according to his divine power, he, God, has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godly living through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. And in verse four is what I want to emphasize. Whereby are given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises that by these we might be partakers of his divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. I want to talk about the cure for lust. You know, there is a lot of people who talk about lust in a lot of different ways, and and we kind of always equate it to one particular subject, uh, one particular arena, but it really um, covers a lot more than that, and I kind of want to get into that a little bit, but I want to talk about the cure for lust, and in this verse, it says that we have escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. And it says the way that we have escaped it is by being a partaker of his divine nature. Now, what is the divine nature of God? Well, there's a lot of things that can be attributed to the divine nature of God. But really, if you're going to sum it up in 1 John, it says that God is love. And, you know, 1 Corinthians 13 talks about what love is and what love does and what love looks like. And one of the things that love is, in essence, and this is seen in the life of Jesus, 
is compassion. And we're going to look at the life of Jesus in a little bit, but ultimately compassion is the essence of love. And I'm going to go ahead and just say this right off the bat here, instead of kind of building up to it. Compassion is the cure for lust. And I want to get into why that is. In 1 John chapter 2, it says in verse 15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Verse 16, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. I want to emphasize that, that the love of the Father is not in or is not active in the person that loves the world or is that is that is yielded or given over to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. You know, there are so many things in this world that you know, we might call lust or try to equate lust with being. And I even hear some people talking about lust as if it's just strong desire or it's just like, oh, you know, you can't, you know, lust until you get married, you know, but then, you know, and like lust is like, you know, like it's not a bad thing. It's just outside of the right place. It's a, it's a bad thing kind of. And I understand what some people mean by that. But I want to emphasize something that the scripture brings out in Second Peter chapter 1 that we just read and multiple other places. I won't take the time to read all those places, but I, I guarantee you if you read through the New Testament, you'll see this theme over and over and over again. And that is the word lust being used in conjunction with the word corruption, the corruption that is in the world through lust or corruptible lusts. And even in the Old Testament, we see David saying, you won't let your Holy One see corruption. And there's this word that is used to describe lust over and over again, and that's corruption. And I want to go ahead and submit this right at the beginning. Lust is not just desire or strong desire. When the Bible talks about lust in regard to sexual sin, in regard to having heart issues or greed or covetousness, it's talking about corrupted desire. Not just a desire, not just a natural desire, not just something that is normal or natural that God created, something that has been corrupted, something that has been eroded, something that has been, you could say, infected. You know, and, and there's no um, shortage of examples in the world of this, this principle because we look at the world today and we see all the ways that corrupted desires have destroyed the world. I mean, you look at people who are involved in all these different things and these trafficking rings and, and child abuse and people who are given over to horrible acts and horrible things, even hurting and destroying other people's lives and prostitution and all these, these horrible things that are hurting people. And, and even people who are not believers know that they're horrible and they're hurting people. And yet there's so much of that in the world. I, I, I'm not going to get too far into this, but you know, sex trafficking is at an all-time high, not only in other countries, but even in the country that, we, that I live in, which is America. There's so much of it going on that, that we don't even know about or not even aware about fully. And these things are at an all-time high because 
You have people in the world who have given themselves over to corrupted appetites, corrupted desires, and and horrible things, and people's lives are literally being destroyed. Not even of their own volition or their own choice, but there are people being forced into horrible things. And, you know, I only say that to emphasize that there's corruption in the world. There's a lot of evil and, and demonic things happening in the world, and the reason the root of it is this corrupted lust, this corruption. It's not just, you know, just a natural attraction or natural this or that. It's corruption. It's something that has been eroded and infected by darkness. And I want to emphasize to that to you right off the bat, because before we can understand how to cure something like lust, we have to understand what it is and we have to diagnose what it is. Now I'll go ahead and say this, you know, in the world that we live in, there is no cure for temptation. There is no way to just shut down temptation to do wrong or temptation to violate what you know is right or to do something that is wrong or that is against God's word or against what he says. There's no there's no button you can press. There's no flip you can switch. Um, you know, or switch you can flip rather to just make temptation go away. Um, as long as we're on this earth and we have these vessels that we have, we're going to be tempted. We're going to be pressed. We're going to be pushed. We're going to be pulled on left and right. It's like gravity. It's like gravity that's all around trying to bring us down. Like John Mayer's song, Gravity. Gravity is working against me. Gravity wants to bring me down. And, you know, that's what temptation is like. That's what sin is like. There's always going to be those things. The Bible says that Jesus himself was tempted in all points like we were, and yet without sin. And so that goes to show right there, being tempted, there's no way to escape that. There's no way to cure that. You can't keep thoughts from coming to your mind. You can't keep yourself from ever seeing anything that's going to tempt you or draw you away or pull you into something wrong. It is all around. Even if you try your best, Satan will find a way. The world will find a way to tempt you. Joseph in the Old Testament was right where he was supposed to be doing what he was supposed to be doing. And Potiphar's wife came and found him and essentially tried to just force herself on him. You know, if you ever read Genesis 39, I'm not going to get into that today. But, you know, he was he was a good man. He was doing good things. He was serving God. And yet Satan brought temptation to his doorstep. So I don't this is not in any way to say that what we're going to talk about today is going to cure temptation or get rid of temptation. No, we're always going to have to resist temptation. But by the grace of God, we can do it. And just because something comes against you doesn't mean that it has to get in you and take root in you. Corruption is something that takes root. It's like like in a in a plant, you know, you see like a, a tree that's dead, you know, that's rotted from the inside out. You know, a tree doesn't die unless it's rotted from the inside out. And and you know, corruption is this picture of a, a evil root taking root and corrupting from within. So Satan is always trying to do inception on us. He's always trying to plant seeds of of things in our heart, seeds of lust, because James says that lust brings forth sin and sin brings forth death. So it's this process of, you know, that things go from one level to the other. But we, just because temptation comes against us doesn't mean that it has to take root in us. And that does not mean that lust has to take root in us. And what I want to talk about today is what I believe is the cure 
for that root and that thing that Satan is trying to put on the inside, trying to create strongholds in the mind, in the soul, and in the body, as 2 Corinthians 5 talks about. And uh, I really want to get into this. And I'm going to kind of just preach a little bit here. I don't have really many notes. I have a couple scriptures like the one, uh, the ones I just read. And I think I have one more today. But I'm really just going to kind of preach a little bit on this and say what's on my heart about it. Um, you know, when you see the way God sees, um, that is partaking in his divine nature. And the Bible says that that is the escape of the corruption that is in this world through lust. When you see like he sees. Now, there's a lot of things out there that are like 12-step programs and accountability partners and, you know, these kind of these things and apps and, and things you can do to keep yourself accountable. And well, that that stuff's great. I mean, I'm, I'm not against any of that. You know, if, if that's something that you need to keep you uh, accountable or keep you on track or keep you from looking at things you shouldn't look at or, well, that's, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But you know, there is, there is a, a, a higher level, um, than that. And, and I'm not faulting you if you feel like you are somebody who needs that good for you, um, for taking whatever measures you feel like you need to take to avoid, um, things that are not good or avoid temptation. Um, I applaud you for that. But I also want to encourage you and and speak some life into you today um, that that there is a higher way of living where even though we'll never get rid of temptation or stop being tempted, we can begin to see the way God sees and that can set us free on the inside. Compassion is the cure for lust. I'm going to keep saying that over and over again in this podcast just to reiterate it. And I'm going to continue to give you why reasons from the word why. Um, that is the case. In John 8 is what I want to read, uh, the main thing I want to read today. And I believe this is such a good picture of Jesus and the heart of Jesus. In John 8, I'm going to read a little bit here. I hope that's okay. Just bear with me because I'm going somewhere with it. In uh, verse 1, it says, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives and early in the morning he came again into the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had thrown her in the midst of the crowd, they said unto him, Master, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? Verse 6, This they said, tempting him, so that they might have a reason to accuse him. Watch this. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted himself up and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone at her. There are so many things in this chapter that that can be taken from this. Um, You know, Satan is the accuser. Satan is the kind of person who will pull you and tempt you into sin and then condemn you afterwards for the very thing that he pulled you into. He's the kind of person who will put a a wrong thought in your mind and then condemn you for having the thought. I heard the story one time, actually my pastor's wife told it, and uh, somebody that she knew who had formerly fallen morally was telling her a story of what happened and she was having trouble in her marriage and there was somebody at work who was putting pressure on her to have an affair. And it was a consistent thing. It was a daily thing. And they were always 
trying to seduce this person and always trying to pull them in. And, you know, I assume that this person was having problems in their marriage and, and long story short, eventually this person finally gave in and, you know, had an affair with this person. And they told my, you know, my pastor's wife, they told her, um, as soon as it was over, that person looked at me and said, and you call yourself a Christian. And to my knowledge that, you know, the affair didn't even continue after that. This person was just trying to conquer them, so to speak. And my pastor's wife told that story of her friend or the person that she knew. And I don't know who the person is. I'm not interested in who it is. Um, but I've always thought that was such a, a picture of the devil and how he accuses and condemns and tries to pull us into things and tries to get us to look at things and tries to, and then turns right around and condemns us for it. Turns right around and says, oh, you call yourself a Christian. You were just looking at that and you call yourself a Christian. Well, that's the way he is. He's the accuser. And you know, it's funny that they said in verse six, this, they said, tempting him. So they're tempting Jesus. They're tempting him to respond. And a couple things I see here that I think are very important. You know, where is the man here? <laughs> you know, where is the man in this? Why did they just bring the woman? Why did they just bring her and throw her in the midst of this crowd? And you, they're, they're here and they're, they're, they've got these stones and they're about to throw them at this woman to condemn her for her sin. But where's the man? Well, I can't prove this, but honestly, I think he was in the crowd. I think he was one of the ones holding a stone. I can't prove that, but you can't prove it's not true. So, um, And the reason I think that is because the nature of sin and lust is to condemn and get rid of the evidence of its own sin. Mm. See, that? that's stepping on somebody's toes right there. The nature of lust and sin is shame. And so often people want to condemn and accuse the very thing that is evidence of their own sin. There are people who look at their kids and resent their kids because they're a reminder of their moral failures. There are people who want to have abortions and get rid of the baby because it's a reminder of one of their moral failures. Mmm, ooh, okay. Well, you know, I'm stepping into the tall grass there, and I like to say this, you know, when you step into tall grass, you can get ticks on your legs. Well, when you step into the tall grass of somebody else's backyard, you can tick them off. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, so if I'm stepping into some tall grass, forgive me. But, you know, that's, that's the nature of that. And so many times, you know, I think one of the reasons why the Pharisees hated Jesus so much is because he said, if you look on a woman to lust after her, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. Well, you know, up to that point, they thought they were good. You know, they, they were probably... They were mad and angry about that because they probably did that all the time, but they thought they were good because they didn't act on it. But Jesus is like, no, if you've done it in your heart, you've already done it. Well, that shows up their perfect performance of the law. And that's one of the reasons why they hated Jesus, because he called them on their hypocrisy. And so here they are, they've got this woman in the midst of the crowd and they're condemning her because she was caught in the act of adultery. Man, you know, there's so many people who... They want to accuse other people and condemn other people. And and they look at people who are, you know, maybe involved in these, you know, degrading lifestyles or maybe living in a moral lifestyle or maybe even, you know, some of these people who are involved in pornography or or dance at these clubs or things like that. And which those things are awful. And and I'm going to talk about why. But, you know, that condemning, accusing attitude, you really got to watch that. 
a lot of times, you know, you hear people kind of really like fuss about like the way people dress and like modesty and things like that. Well, I'm a huge fan of modesty, but you know, modesty is not just for girls. Modesty is for guys too. And modesty is not just about what kind of clothes you wear. It's a spirit and a heart that you carry. And, you know, I would encourage you, especially if you're a young lady, but a guy too, but a young lady, uh, you know, modesty is not um, being ashamed of yourself. Modesty is actually valuing yourself and not needing to just, you know, put everything out there for the world to see. And I really respect that. And I know Jesus wants that not to shame you or not to restrict you, but because he values you and he wants you to value yourself enough to respect yourself and, and not feel the need to do that. But anyway, you know, they're here, they're shaming this woman and they're condemning her. And, you know, I think that this is an evidence of the way that lust is. You know, lust is is oftentimes violent and aggressive and mean. And, you know, it's nothing to do with love. It has nothing to do with, with even natural attraction. It's this spirit that really comes from the enemy and comes from the devil. It's this shaming and and just just the nature of it is very evil. And you see this condemning, throwing stone kind of thing. You know, uh, you see that a lot in the world and, and people talking, using degrading language to describe people and, and just being really ugly and, and treating people like dogs. And that is the nature of lust. It has nothing to do with love. It has nothing to do with anything that God designed. And it's corrupted desire. And there's no place for this to be okay in the heart and life of a child of God. Now, again, I'm not talking about being tempted. I'm talking about letting this take root in you. And we're talking about the cure for that. Notice what Jesus did. It says that in verse 7, he, he said to them, He that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone at her. You know, a lot of times you don't know people's situation and you can't be quick to judge. You know, some of these people who are in these situations, you know, you don't know why they're in that situation. You don't know what led to that. There are people who, honestly, a lot of these these clubs and a lot of these websites and things like that are actually run by people who are involved in human trafficking. And I'm not doing a podcast about human trafficking right now. I may do that in the future, but that is just a fact. And a lot of these people, some of them are being forced into this. Some of people are in debt to bad people because of an addiction they had, and now they're having to repay it. Or some people may be in horrible circumstances financially, and they may not know of another way to, to try to provide for themselves. And none of that justifies it. But at the same time, you want to not be quick to judge people and know that God loves them and you don't know their situation. These people were quick to judge this woman, but Jesus looked to the root of the situation. And I'm going to talk about that more in just a second here. He looked to the root. He saw past the outward circumstances and looked to the heart of what was happening here. And that's what love does. And that's what being spiritual is. Spiritual maturity is not walking around with your eyes in the back of your head. Really, spiritual maturity is being able to discern the truth in any given situation. But in verse 8, it says, Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground, And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. Verse 10, And when Jesus had lifted himself up and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are your accusers? Has no man condemned you? 
And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. You know, I want to make this statement to you. You know, the Bible talks about in Proverbs, he who hides his sin will be punished, but he who confesses and forsakes his sin will have mercy. You know, this woman right here, she received grace this day. She received forgiveness and mercy. But you know who didn't receive grace and mercy in this? The man that she was committing adultery with. Where's he at? Where's he in this thing? Like, like I said, I think he was hiding in the crowd. He's got a stone like everyone else. He's like, oh, uh, yeah, condemn her. Oh, man, adultery. That's horrible. Psh, how could you do that? And he's the one that was committing adultery with her. And, and whether he was hiding in the crowd or he snuck out the back window or what, I don't know. But he, he didn't come forward. He was hiding his sin. She's right out in the open. She's like, yep, I did it. <laughs> she's like, I guess I got to die because that's, yep, I'm caught. And she's right out in the open. She's not, she has no defense. And she received grace and mercy on this day. But that man didn't. He hid his sin. He hid from God. And he did not receive grace on this day. And it was better for this woman, far better for this woman than it was for that man. You know, it never pays to lie and pretend and hide from God. If you've messed up, just admit it. Just just call it out. Just say, Lord, I did it and I know I did it. And Lord, I need mercy. Forgive me. I, I don't want to do it again. Help me not to do it again. And just move on. And, and, and you know, let me reemphasize this. Just because you're tempted doesn't mean you've sinned. Just because something comes against you doesn't mean you sin. You know, remember Jesus said, if a man looks at a woman to lust after her, he's committed adultery with her in his heart. He said, if he looks at her to lust after her, he didn't say if he's tempted or if he sees something and he's tempted or if he gets a tempting thought or something like that. No, that's not what he said. You know, I like to think of it like this. If I'm on a diet and I'm not eating ice cream, and I go to the store to buy vegetables and I turn around and there's ice cream there and I experience the temptation to buy ice cream. Well, that's not the same as me getting up and saying, you know what, forget this. I'm going to the store to buy ice cream. There's a difference between seeing ice cream at the store and going there to buy it. You know, you haven't sinned just because you're tempted with something, just because you're tempted with, with a, something that you saw or heard or whatever the case may be. That's not sin. It's not sin until you yield to it and let it take root on the inside of you. And the truth is, there's no such thing as accidental sin. You know when you've sinned. <laughs> you, there's no, you can't play with God. You can't pretend. There's no such thing as accidentally missing it. You can make mistakes accidentally, but you can't sin accidentally because sin is violation of light. Anyway, I'm going to keep going here. But Jesus had compassion on this woman. He told her, I'm not going to condemn you. Go and sin no more. But see, Jesus was the only one out of all these people who had compassion on her. Everyone else saw her as an object. Everyone else saw her as not valuable. But Jesus saw to the root and he had compassion on her. I want to say it again. Compassion is the cure for lust. I want to tell this story really quickly and, and then I'm going to wrap this up in the next few minutes. One time I was actually on a ministry trip and I was traveling with some people and we were doing a worship set somewhere um, and we were in a hotel room the night before we were supposed to do the worship set on a ministry trip. And I'm in the hotel room with some other guys and they're just flipping around on the TV and just seeing what was on. 
And just for the briefest moment, they happen to accidentally flip across this advertisement for one of those really bad shows. And I I don't even remember the name of it necessarily, but it was just something that was really bad. And it was something on top of that, that when I was a teenager and when I wasn't serving God, I was familiar with. We'll just leave it at that. And the moment that it flipped past that, it's like I accidentally saw it. I didn't mean to see it. I didn't keep looking at it. But it triggered all these thoughts and these memories in my mind of all these horrible things that I had seen when I was younger, when I was a teenager. And I was like, oh gosh, oh wow, oh man, like, Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. And the Lord, on my heart, on the inside of me, I felt like he was like, there's nothing to forgive. And I was like, yeah, but that's like those thoughts. And I felt like he's like, cast them down, get rid of them. (laughs) So I actually, I'm just being honest with you, I'm being transparent. You know, I've found that honesty and transparency in these things is very healing to other people because a lot of people are afraid to be honest and transparent because of shame from the past. But when you get free from shame, you can be honest and transparent and you can actually be a healer to other people in these things. But I went on a walk with the Lord and I was like, Lord, help me to deal with that. I didn't mean to see that. I don't want to keep, I don't want to think about that. Lord, help me deal with that. And this is what the Lord said to me on the inside as in the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. He said, son, every one of those young ladies on that show has a dad and was somebody's little girl. And for some reason, for whatever the reason was, as they grew up, they began to value themselves so little that they no longer had any problem with just giving themselves over to just being eye candy for a bunch of just you know, drooling guys yielded to wrong spirits. And, you know, I know that sounds real spiritual, but that's just the the truth, honestly. And they, they didn't value themselves and they don't, they've given themselves over to these things for money, for, you know, for attention or whatever. And he said, son, just like the madman of Gadara. And if you're not familiar with the madman of Gadara, this is somebody that Jesus encountered. And it was, and it's in the new Testament. I can't think of the reference right off the top of my head. But it was somebody who was demon-possessed, and they would cut and abuse themselves, and they would run around naked. This was a demon-possessed man. And, you know, these people who are yielded to these kind of things, and, and whether it's people who are a part of the production of pornography, or people who dance on, you know, these clubs, or whatever it is, or prostitution, like that madman of Gadara, they're abusing themselves. And this is what he said to me, and it's so good. He said, If they knew how I saw them, they would be clothed and in their right mind. And the reason I say that is because in that passage, it says after that madman of Gadara had been with Jesus, he was clothed and in his right mind. And you know, that just so encapsulates the heart of the Father, the heart of Jesus. He sees these people that so many people look on with lust, so many people look on as eye candy or objects or for self-gratification, and he sees them the opposite. He sees them as a precious person, as a valuable person with a purpose, with value, and he wants them to know how valuable they are to him. Well, the cure for lust is the compassion of Jesus and seeing people the way he sees them. When you see people the way Jesus sees them, you don't want to feed into these things that are exploiting them, whether they're consenting to it or not. And you don't want to feed into things that are, are not only eroding your own heart and eroding your own 
um, mind, but is exploiting them and, and treating them, bringing their value down. The cure for compassion, I'm sorry, <laughs> excuse me, the cure for lust is compassion. And this isn't just talking about pornography. This isn't just talking about, you know, strip clubs or all this stuff. This is talking about walking down the road. And whether you're a guy or a girl, it doesn't matter. And whether it's in a sexual thing or whether it's something else, the cure for covetousness, the cure for lust is compassion. I want to encourage you today, don't let the enemy condemn you if you've had to deal with temptation or if you've had to deal with um, things coming against you. Listen, you live in the world, you're going to be tempted, but you don't have to let that get on the inside of you. And if you will get with God and you will receive his love and his value for you and, and walk in the love of God and understand that he's given you exceeding great and precious promises that you can be a partaker of his divine nature and escape this corruption that is in the world through lust. You can be full of the compassion of Jesus and like him, not see what the rest of the world sees, not be a condemner, not be um, a degrader and not be somebody who wants to exploit other people or or wants to jump at opportunities um, that are offered because people don't value themselves. No, you want to be somebody who honors and loves and treats people with respect. And the more you get that heart of the father, the more you'll be like him, you'll be like Jesus that's what First John chapter 3 says is that when we see him, we'll be like him. I've gone really long today. I, maybe you hung in. I, I hope you did. Um, I haven't done this up to this point, but I'm going to go ahead and do this real quick. I'm going to pray for everybody who might be listening to this. Father, I just thank you. Um, for the truth of your love and your compassion, Father. And I thank you that you see every person as precious. You see every person as valuable. And Father, thank you for teaching us that you're not trying to restrict us from good things or from even living a good life or having fun. But Father, you want us to value what you value. And you want us to honor what you honor. And you want us to see the value of people. Lord, thank you for your compassion and for the divine nature that enables us to escape all the corruption that is in this world through lust, Father. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. This has been the No Contempt Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I will talk to you next time. Bye-bye.